Jensen stared at me with half-lidded eyes. His displeasure was written plainly on his face. He was knocking on the door of middle age, showing the first signs of gray in his dark, thinning hair. He was slightly overweight, and the left side of his mouth twitched every few seconds in what I assumed was an unconscious tick. We sat in his small, windowless office. He was behind his immaculately clean desk while I was sitting in a chair on the other side. I told them I didn't need any help on this project, he said, his tone somewhere between commanding and whiny. But now here you are. I shrugged. I just go where they tell me. Of course you do, he said. Well, it's clear that you don't want me here, I said in a cheery tone. That's fine, but I'm here now, ready to work. I'll do whatever you like. Even if it's boring old data entry or transcription, you're the boss. That's right, he said. I am the boss, and you will do whatever I tell you to do. That's how this whole thing works. Yeah, that's what I just said, I thought, but didn't say. I nodded in agreement. The truth was, Jensen wasn't the boss, not really. The head researcher on the project was on an extended leave of absence. And since the foundation didn't have another doctor to spare for the project, it fell to the lead researcher, Tyler Jensen. But still, if I was going to make this thing work, I'd have to treat him like the boss. Technically, I was only a junior researcher, so he did have more seniority. Jensen paused, looking me over while the gears turned in his head. Okay, he said. Here's how it's going to work. You will work on sifting through police reports to see if we can spot any other instances of this particular SCP. You will leave me to conduct the experiments with the SCP. I don't have time to teach you about the years of research and the details I have in my head. He tapped his temple with a smirk on his face. But maybe, if you do well, I'll let you sit in on an experiment or two. Eventually. Sounds like a plan to me, boss, I said. Jensen frowned. Call me lead researcher Jensen, he said. Oh, okay, I will. Good, he said. Now, let's get you set up in one of the junior researcher rooms. Jensen led me to a small room with several computers. Another junior researcher was hunched over one of the computers, and he didn't bother to look up as we came into the room. I got my credentials and a crash course on how to use the system with the compiled police reports from all around the country. Then Jensen left me to it. After about an hour of the mindless work, I stood up and went down the hall under the buzzing fluorescent lights to the bathroom. I picked a stall and sat down, but I wasn't there to use the bathroom. I pulled out my phone and drafted a message in a special app designed by R&D in my real department. Something's definitely going on here, I wrote. Jensen is cagey. He won't let me see his experiments. I need to get into the observation room and plant cameras. I sent the message off and waited. After a few minutes, I got a reply. Meet me when your shift is done at location A. We'll provide cameras and entry code. I smiled and replied in the affirmative. Jensen didn't strike me as the brightest match in the box. He'd been able to cover his tracks well enough that we didn't have any concrete evidence on him, but something funny was happening. It was only a matter of time until I figured out what. When the next day rolled around, I was ready. I had several small cameras in my lunchbox and the entry code memorized. 
I just needed to find the right time to get into the lab adjacent to the containment room, which was all the way down at the end of the hall. The SCP required a lot of space, so the room was set off on its own. Thankfully, Jensen's office was down the hall from my research room, so I'd see him leave for lunch if he went to the cafeteria. If not, I'd just have to keep waiting. Around 11 o'clock, I headed down to his office, knocking on the door and opening it without waiting for a response. Wait! Jensen called from inside the room. Just wait! But it was too late. I'd already stepped in, seeing that Jensen had a female D-class in his office, sitting in her orange jumpsuit where I'd sat yesterday. Oh, sorry, I said. I didn't know you were in a meeting. Jensen was standing up behind his desk. He'd nearly jumped out of his chair as I came into the room. His face was flushed, and his eyes darted from me to the D-class woman. She was pretty, with auburn hair and big, dark eyes. She looked up at me, but with little curiosity. In fact, she looked bored to tears. I'll come back later, I said. Just wanted to see if you'd like to eat lunch together. No, he said. No, I would not. I shrugged and turned to go. Okay, see you soon. Salazar! He nearly shouted my name. Yes? I said, turning around to face him. Don't you ever barge into my office again! I'm doing sensitive work here, very sensitive. I can't have you interrupting my research. Right. Sorry, I said. My old boss had an open door policy. I always used to knock and then walk in. I guess I forgot where I was. Do it again, and I'll have you transferred. Won't happen again, boss. I said. We both knew he didn't have the power to transfer me. He either thought I was stupid or was browbeating me into believing he had that much control. Either way, he was underestimating me. It meant I was doing my job. I stepped out into the hall and closed the door, but then poked my head back in. You want this open or closed? Closed! <laughs> I stifled laughter as I shut the door and walked back down to the shared research room. I set my sunglasses on my desk in such a way that I could see in their reflection if Jensen walked past the open door. I didn't see him leave for lunch. In fact, I didn't see him or the D-class woman leave at all. In the middle of the afternoon, I made up some excuse to go knock on his door, but there was no answer. So I figured he'd gone down to the observation room. I stayed 30 minutes after my shift to see if I could catch him coming out, but he never did. And if I stayed any longer, I would have risked suspicion. So I left. But the next day, I got lucky. Around one o'clock, I saw Jensen walking by my research room. I jumped up from my chair and ran into the hall. Hey, I said in a friendly, dumb guy tone. Jensen's shoulders slumped as he turned around. What, he said, his lip twitched. You wanna eat lunch together? I said, I brought my own but I don't mind coming to the cafeteria with you, if that's where you're going. That is where I'm going, junior researcher Salazar, but I prefer to eat alone, thank you. Suit yourself, boss, I said. I went back to the room for a few minutes and then grabbed my lunchbox and headed out. Going to lunch, I said to the other guy in the room. He grunted, not taking his eyes off the computer. He'd said all of three words to me one for each day I'd been on the job. Fine with me. Instead of going toward the cafeteria, I hustled down to the observation room. 
I entered the code and slipped inside. The room looked normal. There was a bank of monitors on the right side, showing the containment room with different angles. On the left side was a desk with a computer on it, along with some notebooks and writing utensils. The wall opposite the entry door held a large window that looked out on the containment room, some 170 feet distant. I knew very little about SCP-847, mostly because the bulk of the research hadn't yet been submitted. Dr. Wang, the project head who was on leave of absence, had submitted some basic research conclusions before the family emergency that took him out of the office. Since then, Jensen had been putting off research submissions. It was one of the red flags my superiors had noted, one of the reasons I was even here. I did know that the SCP started acting strange when people were within 50 meters of it, so its containment cell was given that much space on all sides, in the middle of a dome-like room, a cell within a cell. Next to the window was a door leading to a flight of stairs, which led to a walkway to the cell. I looked at the bank of monitors to my right and saw the SCP clearly from several angles. It was a female mannequin standing frozen in front of a mirror in the cell. The cell was set up like a bedroom, complete with a bed, dresser, and wardrobe. The SCP wore a tight pink crop top shirt that exposed its sculpted belly and accentuated its breasts. It also had on tight black shorts and didn't go much below the tops of the thighs. Its hair was dark and its lifelike eyes were frozen open, looking at itself in the mirror. Apparently, there was a camera attached to the mirror because one of the monitors showed this close-up view. I could see that its lips were cracked and crumbling. Two fingers on its left hand had been broken, leaving sharp, jagged edges there. There was something eerily familiar about it, but I couldn't place it. I spent only a few quick moments looking at the SCP before I got to work placing the little cameras around. I had to be creative so Jensen wouldn't see them. One, I placed an event directly opposite the wall of monitors. Another, I placed under the desk opposite so I'd have a wide angle shot of the room from the floor. I couldn't find a place to put the third camera, so I reluctantly stuck with the two. Before leaving the room, I checked to make sure the camera feeds looked good on my phone. They did. I glanced one more time at the SCP. Something was digging at my subconscious. I shook my head and stepped out into the hall. I made it back to the research room about a minute before Jensen came back. Now, all I had to do was wait. I checked the feed several times during my shift, but Jensen was never in the room. I guessed he was working in his office, and he was still in there when I left for the day. The next day was when everything went down. It was around 10 o'clock when I checked my phone and found that Jensen was in the room, and he'd apparently brought another D-class woman with him. I hurried down the hall to the bathrooms so I could watch in private, sitting in a stall. The camera in the vent gave me a good view of the bank of monitors. I watched as Jensen opened the door to the cell and led the woman inside. She wasn't the same woman as the woman I'd seen in his office. She was blonde and homely. And as soon as she stepped inside the cell, the mannequin started moving. It lunged at the woman, using its broken fingers to stab and slice her. The woman screamed and tried running, but Jensen had locked the door and ran back to watch on the monitors. Dark liquid was coming from the mannequin's eyes and mouth as it attacked the woman, continuing to stab and gouge her with its sharp, broken fingers. Soon enough, 
the woman stopped screaming. Then she stopped moving. The mannequin hovered over her, dripping the strange dark liquid onto the woman. And soon enough, it became clear why. The liquid soaked into the woman's wounds and, over the course of 10 to 15 minutes, changed her flesh to the same hard material as the mannequin. The mannequin then took the woman's lips from her by breaking off the area around her mouth until the lips were free. It then put them in place of her own crumbling lips. The black liquid seemed to ooze out, sealing the new lips in place. SCP-847 then did the same thing with the woman's left hand, replacing the damaged one with the one stolen from the woman. The reason the mannequin was familiar to me clicked into place as I watched this. The hair was the same dark auburn hair as the pretty D-class woman I'd seen in Jensen's office. And the eyes were exactly the same too. As if to confirm my suspicions, Jensen walked out of the observation room and down to the containment cell. As he moved inside, the mannequin walked over to him and took a provocative stance in front of him. He placed his hands gently on the mannequin's cheeks, whispering words I couldn't make out. Then he leaned in and kissed the SCP on its new lips. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and the implications it carried. Jensen had been picking up and choosing female D-class personnel to make the mannequin into his ideal mate. I knew from the limited research I'd read that SCP-847 never attacked men. In fact, it was just the opposite. It seemed to want to please them, but it attacked women. That much was clear. The whole thing about harvesting female parts was not in my research. I watched on my phone in the bathroom stall, shaking my head. Jensen broke off the kiss and then started taking his clothes off. I couldn't watch it any longer. I knew the cameras were recording, so I exited the camera feeds and opened the messaging app. We've got him, I wrote. Watch the video feeds from today, starting at 10.03. Watching now, came the reply. I headed back out to the research room, but instead of sitting down, I paced. I wondered how many women he'd killed to make his perfect mate. D-class personnel were often guilty of horrendous crimes, but that didn't mean they should die for one man's twisted pleasure. My phone vibrated and I opened up the message. We'll be there within the hour. I nodded. Then came another message. Good job, Salazar. All in a day's work for Internal Foundation Affairs. SCP-847 is a human female mannequin constructed of human hair and an unknown composite fibrous polymer that abrades and shatters similarly to porcelain. Small amounts of black, volatile resin leak from the eyes and any damaged regions. SCP-847 demonstrates different behaviors depending on the genotypical sex and identified gender of nearby humans. These behavioral patterns are grouped as pattern Z, Y, and X. Pattern Z behaviors occur when there is no human within 50 meters. SCP-847 remains inanimate and silent 99.5% of the time under these conditions. When animate, SCP-847 will dress in any available clothes, stand in front of any available full-length mirror, and return to an inanimate state, adopting a pose that showcases the outfit worn. It favors clothing designed for young women and which leaves ample skin exposure. Pattern Y behaviors are adopted when there are male subjects but no female subjects within 50 meters. Initial stage behaviors involve emitting vocalizations resembling high-pitched whimpering gasps and adopting more provocative poses. 
After this initial stage, SCP-847's behavior enters a secondary stage, during which it becomes fully animate, approaching any male subject, adopting a hunched pose, and appearing to look up into the subject's eyes. Vocalizations during this period become more frequent and longer. Subjects are able to handle and freely alter or pose SCP-847 during this time. When posed, it holds the new pose as balance allows. Pattern X behaviors occur when any female subject approaches within 50 meters. SCP-847 will emit vocalizations resembling distressed grunts and screeches, immediately animate and physically attack the woman. Black resin is released from its eyes, mouth, and shattered sections of its body. Resin falling in open wounds results in a quick hardening of soft tissues that spread through the victim's body. Following the transformation, SCP-847 will harvest selected body parts from the victim corresponding to damaged sections of its own body. It will fuse these parts to its body via the resin, 